bulk of Charlottesville was all farmland, and so it was plantations. Um, and so Belmont, Locust, Grove area, Locust Avenue area, Rose Hill, uh, Fry Springs, um, uh, Oak Hill, where we now consider south of downtown, uh, all of these were plantations and, and, and many more, uh, where white men enslaved African Americans. Um, and then over, over a period of time, you know, the Civil War, emancipation, uh, these uh, farmlands got broken up and sold off to smaller and smaller plots. Mm -hmm. uh, those plots then uh, were bought largely by development companies mm -hmm. um, and then subdivided. Mm -hmm. uh, and those subdivisions were, uh, were uh, then broken up into individual housing. And so around 1900, um, some a little bit earlier, I think Belmont was one of the first subdivisions in the country. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but around 1900, it really gets into full swing and it really continues until 1930, 1940. Mm -hmm. um, and that is that Charlottesville's housing stock is created. Mm -hmm. And most of these are single family homes. You don't mm -hmm. see a lot of apartment buildings. You don't see a lot of duplexes. And the single family homes, we're talking thousands and thousands throughout the whole city. Yeah. Um, and the, in, in each of those. You have a, a series of, of terms and parameters by which the buyer agrees mm -hmm. to follow and right. to, to, to live by, um, by signing and, and by purchasing the home. Um, and, you know, some of them are fairly mundane. Some of them uh, are, are things like your home should be no closer to the road than 20 right. feet. Or yep. Yep. Um, some of them are a little bit, you know, um, you start to see the emergence of class and, and income. Um, some say that you, you should build no structure uh, that's, um, that costs less than $1,000 mm -hmm. on your property. Mm -hmm. And that's an effort to try to get some uniformity to the neighborhood, that mm -hmm. they want mm -hmm. buildings and, and setbacks a certain way. Right. So... What I'm finding and what, what really started uh, kind of opening up this whole channel of research is that one of the main covenants in probably three quarters of all of these thousands and thousands of housing deeds that were created during this time have a clause that says something to the effect of no one shall own or occupy this home other than people of the Caucasian race. And so this prevented African-Americans right. from owning property in right. these neighborhoods. Mm. Here's what happens with that covenant is it does two things. One, it permanently segregates the city, mm -hmm. right? And so this is, this is right around the time when Jim Crow laws start being enacted throughout right. the South. Um, you, you have the black codes, obviously, uh, that, that followed emancipation. Um, you have this very small window of reconstruction where African-Americans are actually elected in large numbers to the state legislature. Yep. Um, more, as a percentage, they have more African Americans in the state legislature then than we have now. Mm -hmm. um, right. And, and Charlottesville is not absent from that conversation. We send state legislatures right. there. Um, then you have uh, the emergence of black wealth, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have John West, who mm -hmm. I think is the largest property owner, black or white, mm -hmm. around the turn of the century. He owns 95 properties. He owns part of Afton Mountain. He owns the Dairy Building downtown. He owns the building next to the Paramount. Um, he, this, is, this is a very mm -hmm. well-to-do African-American man. And I think that that scares a lot of white families right. and white politicians and mm -hmm. government officials. Um, and so you see a series of actions that then follow that, right? Uh, the statues go up in 1921 right. and 1924 downtown, mm -hmm. the Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson statues. Um, you, see, you see different efforts of, of seizing property, of eminent domain mm -hmm. being uh, undertaken throughout the city around that same time, too. And that's really, I mean, from 1912 to 1917, we actually pass an ordinance. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. so this says, uh, and, and we follow on the heels of Richmond and Baltimore, right. and, and so it should be said that, you know, we're not alone in this by any right. means. But we do pass it. Um, 
the, the mayor vetoes it, council overrides a veto, and they pass it. And the ordinance basically prevents uh, uh, blocks from selling. So if, if a block is uh, predominantly African American, then nobody can sell to a white person right. who wants to buy on that right. block. Now, right. of course, the blocks that were African American are relatively small and few in number in comparison to mm-hmm. the predominantly white blocks. Right. And so really this was a, uh, a, a you know, a quote-unquote equitable way to be racist. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And and we passed that until 1917 when the Supreme Court uh, made a decision and, and made Actually, that illegal. terminates that, not just Charles unconstitutional. Yeah, it's unconstitutional nationwide. Exactly. Right? So yeah. then there's a shift there is from a shift. that strategy to an right. alternative strategy, and, so, and that's what you're finding. Exactly. And right. so private agreements, mm-hmm. completely constitutional. Right. right? Constitution hasn't weighed in on that. Right. Um, there are legal challenges throughout the country to mm-hmm. these over the series right. of years. But in effect, mm-hmm. they, they stay valid until 1948 and, and really until 1968 yeah. uh, when the Fair Housing Act yeah. is passed. Right. Um, right. And there are still in deeds today. It's very hard to get them removed. Of course, they're not legally binding and you can't, uh, yep. you can't uphold yep. them. But My neighbor recently just did some deed research and actually found it on their, on their own property. So right? they are all over the place. Right? I'm a little surprised to realize that there's actually three quarters of the city, in your estimation at this point, it has, yeah. these, it has these covenants. And as we're sort of imagining the terrain of the city uh, today, that has a profound impact on how an African-American or a white in the, say, the 1930s or 1940s would have actually tra- you know, traversed the city. Right. Right? It actually then delimits where people are, are going. There are whole districts of the city that are entirely white and whole districts of the city that are entirely black yeah. as a result of these racial covenants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's entirely right. And, and still today, you can, mm-hmm. you can predict where these neighborhoods right. are right. based largely mm-hmm. about who lives there today. And so after desegregation, uh, what happens in, in the 50s and the 60s is, uh, is that these neighborhoods largely stay the same um, in terms of racial makeup. Mm-hmm. And the narratives continue. And right. so even today, right. Um, right. you know, when we have the dialogue on race in, in 2006, I think it was, uh, you still have a lot of white people that live in Charlottesville that have never spent much time with right. African Americans. Right. Um, and so they don't believe or they don't know the realities that they face every day. Yeah, that's um, right. But to, to jump back to... to uh, from 1920 to 1940, the, the city is, um, is forming, these neighborhoods are getting constructed, and what needs to happen is they need to get put onto the city's grid. Right. And so they need water lines, they need gas lines, they need sewer lines, they need mm-hmm. their streets paved, they need trees mm-hmm. planted, they need electric lines, telephone lines, everything that allows a neighborhood to really be mm-hmm. in the city. Because before mm-hmm. now, they're in the county, mm-hmm. right? And so the city right. is annexing right. these neighborhoods right. uh, slowly and surely, and, uh, and then putting them onto the grid. So mm-hmm. these petitions to the city council, uh, we didn't have a planning commission at that time, uh, so they're petitioning directly to city council, mm-hmm. and they're getting they're getting accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, now at the same time, and we have some researchers over at the university uh, at the School of Architecture mm-hmm. that are looking at uh, what happens when black neighborhoods make these requests. Right. And preliminarily, we're seeing that they're denied, right? Um, right. Or or met in part, if mm-hmm. if at all. Um, so, so just to summarize that, then that suggests that there's preferential investment in infrastructure for white neighborhoods as they're being developed and not uh, that same equitable distribution of public resources for African-American neighborhoods as they're also being developed. That's exactly right. And, and the reason that they give at that time is that there's no tax base there, right? That, that <laughs> as a city, that, <laughs> wow. that it's not worthwhile yeah, for them to right. invest the tax yeah. dollars because, yeah. well, we're not getting tax dollars from you. Right. And, uh, right. and then, right. of course, you jump forward mm-hmm. 40 years mm-hmm. when we're talking about urban renewal, right. which, is, which is a phenomenon that... Uh, 
that sweeps the country, um, and uh, and the number one justification for why these neighborhoods should be bulldozed is that they're slum, they're blighted, and the reasoning behind that is that they don't have indoor there's plumbing. No, there's no infrastructure. There's no right. sewage. Yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, water yeah. lines. There's no right. gas. You know that, right. that there's no mm-hmm. infrastructure. So that's a predetermined outcome that's been exactly. Result that, uh, uh, determined de- decades before. Right. Yeah. But we've never faced this as a city uh, mm-hmm. in terms of looking at, well, if these are the decisions we made, mm-hmm. then what are the decisions we need to make to undo them? Right. Um, right. We've just kind of continued on into saying, oh, that's unfortunate. That's right. In, mm-hmm. in 2011, mm-hmm. the city apologized for bulldozing mm-hmm. Vinegar Hill. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, there has mm-hmm. not been a, a hyper-focused uh, um, investment right. into right. these neighborhoods. Um, and so, so in any case, so um, in 1948, the and uh, and and really into 1968, the phenomenon of zoning mm-hmm. comes about, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then in 1968, when the Fair Housing Act uh, passes, these covenants really become null and void. They right. don't they don't apply anymore. Um, and then, so urban planners, neighborhood developments, mm-hmm. um, they need to to develop a different language. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some researchers in town that are really digging into, okay, how is this language uh, constructed, and how is it coded? Um, and so, one obvious example is single family homes, right. right? And so, who can afford a single family home? Mm-hmm. It's the people who have been amassing wealth over the last 150 right. years. Mm-hmm. And so, as 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 we talked about, the the infrastructure in these neighborhoods is really what allows a home to appreciate in value. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm also looking at for this research is what happens to a first-time home buyer mm-hmm. in 1924? Mm-hmm. What happens to their kids? What happens to their grandkids, their great-grandkids? Mm-hmm. How have health outcomes been affected over mm-hmm. the years because of this one-time home purchase? Yep. And, and usually they get an FHA-backed loan, so a, a loan that's racially backed. The FHA only backed loans for white, white banks and white families um, during that time. Um, Primarily, and uh, and so how has this affected education? How many mm-hmm. six-figure salaries do you have in your family mm-hmm. tree? Mm-hmm. Um, what were you able to do with that home? Did mm-hmm. you take a second mortgage out? Did you uh, use it as collateral? Did you get yep, a second right. line of credit? Right. These sorts of things. The uh, did you sell impact it? of wealth exactly over generations? Exactly. Because as you yep. suggest, there is this huge disparity mm-hmm. between yep. white people and African American people mm-hmm. in, sh- in in not only Charlottesville but in the, in the country and. Aside from income and employment, Mm -hmm. the number one tool for, for mobilization of wealth is home ownership.